Ramble. Ramble. I don't really like doing chores around the house, I'm going to be honest with you, and I especially used to hate doing laundry. It was just one of my more tedious tasks. It takes so much time, and I often feel tempted to not even bother sorting out my clothes. But I've been trying to motivate myself to get a lot more organized, and I finally found a way to make doing my chores so much more interesting, so much more engaging, and that's by listening to audiobooks on Audible. You guys know me, there is nothing like playing a good psychological thriller. So obviously, that's what I've been listening to. I'm currently listening to The Housemaid by Frida McFadden. The main character, Millie, is out on parole and she's desperate for her job. She doesn't have any money. She's living out of her car and she gets this opportunity to be this rich family's housemaid. Millie agrees, even though there's just something really strange about the Winchesters, especially the wife, Nina. She just seems to love finding ways to make Millie's life very difficult. The family is hiding something and Millie is hiding something and there's just so much tension between Millie and the husband. It's one of those stories that you can't stop listening to and I can't wait to finish it and start the next audiobook in this series. But if Thriller is not your thing, don't worry. Audible lets you pick from thousands of titles to find the perfect soundtrack to your day. You can find audiobooks from any genre, fiction, nonfiction, wellness, self-help. But they also have podcasts like this one, guided wellness programs, comedy, and originals. Living life without using Audible is like eating food with no seasoning. Sure, you still get your nutrients in, but it's missing that extra flavor, you know? So if you want to spice up your day, I highly recommend Audible. Audible members can keep one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. New members can try audible now free for 30 days visit audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 that's audible.com slash rotten or text rotten to 500 500 to try audible free for 30 days Bada bing, bada boom. Welcome to this week's main episode of Rotten Mango. I'm your host stephanie sue and let's just jump right in kenny's mom had good news kenny sweetie where are you so guess what i talked to your cousin from los angeles and He's willing to take you in. You're lying. No, I'm serious, Kenny. It's going to be great. He's older than you. He's even got his own house out in LA. Maybe you can learn a thing or two from him. I mean, he's successful. Kenny was so excited. He was ready to leave his life in New York and start fresh in the city of dreams, the city of stars. And when he lands in LA with his jean jacket and a dream and he meets his older cousin, Angelo, he felt that this guy was going to teach him everything he needed to know to be successful. And he was right. Angelo told him, lesson number one, you got to hit the bullseye. That's right between the legs. Lesson number two, Kenny. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Always use a wet towel because that doesn't leave bruise marks. And lesson three, do you remember? What did I tell you about women? They're like dogs. And you have to put them in their place. The two cousins would go on to terrorize an entire city, leave a trail of dead bodies in the sunny, beautiful, dream-filled hills of Los Angeles. This is the story of the Hillside Stranglers. As always, full source notes are available at RottenMangoPodcast.com. But yes, you guessed it. There's a really good book on this case called The Hillside Stranglers by Darcy O'Brien. Now, this book is... It's honestly so detailed. Like, I don't know what else to say other than there will be parts if you read it that you're going to want to throw the book across the room. You're going to want to gag. It's really gruesome. It's graphic. It's dark. But truly, this is the best deep dive that you can find on this case. In my humble opinion, go pick up yourself a copy, but don't come running at me, okay? Don't come emailing me. This was too dark. I almost gagged. I've warned you. This is my warning. But I will say that this story, I mean, it's impossible 
to tell you the story without getting into these gruesome details because they're so pertinent to the whole case. If you've never heard of the Hillside Stranglers, they were a serial killer cousin duo that terrorized the city of angels, the city of dreams. They terrorized Los Angeles for months, leaving dead bodies all over the hills. I'm talking the hills that we usually equate with the Hollywood Hills, the beautiful hills of dreams. If you live on the hilltops of LA, you're the rich and famous, you've made it. They were leaving dead bodies all over that place. So it's just like this weird juxtaposition of this beautiful place where dreams are made and bodies left all over. So let's start with the first cousin, the older cousin. His name is Angelo, (laughs) I'm going to butcher it, Buono. He's Italian, okay? So he was born in Rochester, New York, of Italian heritage. He's like the ringleader of this duo. He is the one in charge. And his childhood is all sorts of crazy. I mean, this guy's just generally crazy. He's out of this world. So his parents divorced when he's only five years old. So his mom, Jenny, is thinking, let's just move to LA. I mean, I don't need to stay in New York. I don't really have a life here. I'm going to pack my bags. I'm going to pack my kids. And I'm going to move and try to chase that dream. So when they get there, she immediately takes a job at a shoe factory. But I mean, they're not paying her well. She can barely put food on the table. And it was just really rough for her. So she eventually starts engaging in sex work on the side. Now, She's trying to pay the bills. She doesn't really have money to afford a babysitter. So what does she do? Yeah, you guessed it. She brings Angelo on these dates. She would bring him, drag him, sit him down. Okay, mommy's going to go inside now. You just wait outside the motel. Okay, don't go anywhere. Don't talk to any strangers. Sometimes it would be a random house. She'd say, okay, okay, just stay on the lawn. Just stay on the front porch, okay? I'll be right back. And he knew that his mom was inside having sex. I mean, it was pretty apparent. He was old enough to know what was going on, and he hated it. Like, this guy hated it. He called his mom an absolute whore. And just believed from that moment forward, all women were just whores. They all are. They're all in motels. They're all in houses having crazy gnarly sex, okay? That's whore activities. So Angelo, right off the bat, I mean, he is this born contradiction. He is literally the opposite of an angel. So I don't know why they named him Angelo. Oddly enough, he was named after his dad, Angelo Sr., who also happened to be a horrible person. Just throwing that out there. Abandoned his family, started a new one. A new family, yeah. Never tried to have a relationship with the kids. So Angelo grows up never showing appreciation for his struggling single mom. Like, was not even an iota thankful that she was constantly working to put food on the table. He would only refer to her as, and I quote, that Jeez, oh my Anytime they got into a fight, he would even taunt her. He knew that she was so sensitive about the sex work that she was doing on the side. She was embarrassed. She felt ashamed. She felt like, why am I bringing my kids to this? But she had no choice. So he would call her a whore. She'd be like, clean your room. No, you're a whore. And she would just start bursting into tears. And he loved it. Eventually, he started calling every woman So obviously, this guy's got a rough relationship with his mom. He spends a lot of time just trying to figure out how to piss her off. Like he would go out of his way to incite her. So oddly, Jenny didn't want Angelo to date black women. Yeah, okay, that's fine, Jenny. No one wants to date him either. Thank you very much. You can keep Angelo. But knowing this, Angelo would go out of his way just to lure a black woman to his house. Like, hello, you want to come over on a date? Not for love, just to piss off my mom. Let's do it. So he'd bring this woman home and he would lie to her. Oh, yeah, we're going to get engaged. We're going to get married. She's definitely pregnant with my child. 
And she would just start getting anxious. Jenny would start getting anxious. And in reality, they probably just met that day. And like I said, again, I'm not siding with Jenny on this one, but this is just the type of person that Angelo is. And unlike his mom, Angelo was not racist. He didn't care what race any woman was. You're like, oh, he's so woke. No, because he believed regardless of race, all women were whores. Okay? They were all scum of the earth anyway. It didn't matter. He was just all-inclusively a misogynist, this one. That's what he was. As he gets older, though, he doesn't get any smarter or nicer. So when he's just 14 years old, he starts trying to impress all of his friends. He starts stealing these cars, driving them around L.A. skirt skirt. While at one point, he sees random women just walking around. And he would tell his friends, oh, yeah, I would, I would love to kidnap that one. What? Or that one. Look at that one hitchhiking. I want to kidnap them. Take them into the woods and fuck her in the ass. That was his favorite way of phrasing it. I'm sorry. I don't know how to put it more bluntly. So that's how he would say these things to his 14-year-old friends while he was stealing cars to impress them. He thought that this was like the gnarliest, coolest thing that he could be doing. So for the next two years, he does not follow through on any of this, but he does drop out of school. He starts picking fights with everyone, literally anyone. He would be walking around and he saw this kid, someone he had gone to high school with. Hey, I like your jacket. That maroon color is nice. Wow, this all you? What does it say on the back? What's aristocrats? Anyway, let me, why can't I try it on? So the kid is scared. Angelo's like twice his size. Um, sure. So he takes off his jacket, gives it to Angelo, and he puts it on. Not bad. Not bad. Hey, listen, why don't you let me keep it? You know, I think that's a good idea for you. So he bullies the kid to let him take it home. And when he gets home, he doesn't really like the letters on the back because he doesn't know what the word means. So he starts scraping it off, and he only manages to get out the A and the R, so it just says Istocrats on the back now. Yeah, okay, this guy is not that smart. So that day, after scraping off these two letters, Angelo goes to the gas station, and he almost gets jumped by the kid's older friends, the kid that he stole the jacket from at the gas station. So he gives back the jacket. He's like, okay, okay, we don't need any nonsense, no funny business here. I'll just take it off. But this really just messes with his ego, right? Because later, when the kid comes back to Angelo's place and says, hey, I got my jacket back thanks to my friends, but you took off two letters. I want money. I want money because I'm going to fix my jacket. Give me my money. Angelo whips out a knife and says, if you want money, I'm going to cut your face. So they all run off and they call the cops. But that doesn't stop Angelo because he starts joining these local gangs in the area. Eventually, he was sent to a California youth facility where he did not facilitate any rehabilitation. Okay, he did not go. His facilities was all still messed up where he freaking escaped, by the way. He like didn't even finish his time. He escaped prison broke out of there. But his ultimate hero in life was Cheryl Chessman. His nickname was the Red Light Bandit. Now you're probably thinking. Who is that? I mean, that doesn't make sense. Most kids, I mean, they're obsessed with Iron Man. Maybe Drake. I don't know. Travis Scott. Who are you guys obsessed with? But this guy, he was obsessed with Cheryl Chessman. Who even is that person? Mm -hmm. So his nickname came from the fact that he used to put a little red light siren on top of his car, like a police officer would. And he would blare these police sirens through his speakers. He would use this to lure women into his car, drive them to a secluded area, and force them to perform oral sex on him. 
so this guy was pretending to be a police officer. This is just a criminal, not even like a crazy bank heist criminal, but just like a regular run of the mill criminal. And this was his ultimate hero in life. I mean, the other kids were lame. Who the hell likes Batman? All these fictional, you know, BS heroes. No, Cheryl was real and he did real things. He was arrested for kidnapping, sexual assault. And that wasn't all. Cheryl was an admirable man. Oh, so admirable. Because not only did he teach the what they deserved by forcing them to perform fellatio, but he also represented himself in his own trial. He acted as his own attorney and he was facing the death penalty, but he managed to get a 12-year sentence. That, that right there is exponentially more heroic than anything Batman could have ever done. Cheryl is just an average Joe, just your everyday relatable you know, standing up to the system, standing up to the system that was created to suppress the rapist and he beat it. Wow. It's just that that takes dedication. And if only Cheryl had killed the girls, that would have been perfect. But hey, even our biggest idols, even our biggest heroes, they all have flaws. You know, they're human, just like you and me. So inspired by Cheryl, Angelo gives himself a nickname. How many times have we heard this nickname by criminals? The Italian Stallion. He said, call me the Italian Stallion. That's how he would introduce himself while he's picking up girls. Not even by Angelo. Just, hi, I'm the Italian Stallion. You hear this at a bar, you run, okay? That's my little tidbit of advice for the day. I don't know what his visual idea of an Italian stallion is, but this is how he's described in the book. Just a super odd description. I'm going to give you a heads up, but he was described to have great roots of hands, thumbs the size of zucchinis. (laughs) (laughs) What? Hanging from his long arms. Okay, I googled pictures. His thumbs are big, but they're not zucchinis. He has a tattoo, a capital B in the old English lettering, like a fairy tale lettering, a black panther on his upper arm, on his right forearm, a banner that says mother. <laughs> mother? Yeah. But he that hates, he hates his- Yeah. It's just so weird. What? So he was born in Rochester, raised in L.A., but a lot of people swore that he had, he had what sounded more like a Brooklyn accent. So they're like, where did that come from? We're so confused. Is he making this up? Is this his environment? I mean, it was just weird, right? Some sources say that it was a speech impediment because it just didn't sound like any of the cadence that was used in the areas that he was born in. Now, another interesting thing is that he hated drinking. He would tell people that alcohol eats your brain cells and he refused to drink. So back to the Italian stallion picking up girls. He would take them. He would always pick them up in his car and he would take them to a parking spot in a secluded road up the hills. Super romantic, right? It's like a, it's almost the picture of the beginning of a horror movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where you just see the outside of the car and the windows get all steamy and then you see the car like shake and then all of a sudden blood splatters everywhere. And he liked going up to the hills with these women, not because it was romantic, but because, and I quote, you could get away with anything there. So he would go, he would have sex with these women, and then he would bring them back. Again, right now, it just sounds like he's a shitty person. It's not necessarily illegal, right? Yeah, this guy's scum, but is he really that horrible? Is he a criminal? Well, let me give you this tidbit. Everyone's going to get so upset by this. I was upset. He is so rude to waitresses. This is not a crime, but he's so rude. He loved to insult them on their looks. So he'd be served, I don't know, a plate of eggs and steak, and he would look at them and say, Hey, honey. You should get your teeth fixed because then I might take a second look at you. And then he would give them a little grin. 
Now, here's the crazy thing. Some of the women would fall head over heels for this. Like it worked. Because at 19 years old, he gets a 17-year-old girlfriend. I believe she was a waitress at the time. Her name is Geraldine Vinyl. And she gets pregnant with his very first child. So Angela's like, okay, I got to do the right thing. I got to put on my big boy pants at 19 and I got to marry her. But within one week, he's over it and just walks out. Never comes back. He did later try to stay in his son's life, but he refused to let his first child call him dad, even though it was known that he was the dad. He would just Mm -hmm. get so mad. Don't call me that. So with his great track record, he becomes a dad again the next year with a different woman, another underage girl. She was 17 years old, too. Her name was Mary Castillo, and they called her Candy. And he had another son with her by the name of Anthony Buono III. I'm saying that wrong. So he marries Mary. But before he could even leave, he gets her pregnant with another child by the name of Peter. Just kind of nonstop after that. Within two years, Mary and Angelo have three more kids together, and they stay together for eight long years before they divorce. So Candy said it was, quote unquote, difficult from the get go. I mean, he couldn't hold down a job. He didn't seem to be stressed about it. If his family needed something, he's like, I could just steal it. What's the big deal? You need food? Just tell me what you need. I'll go steal it right now. Most of the time he was away from the house, hiding from the police, and he practically refused to call his wife anything but cut. That's it. That was literally how he referred to her in front of her as well. But that was nothing compared to the brutality of what he did in the bedroom. So within a year of being married, he comes into their room with a surprise. Hey, honey, look at this long rope I got. So he uses it to tie her spread eagle on the bed and he viciously assaults her. It was so violent. She was terrified for her life. She soon realized, okay, the more pain that I'm in, the more he likes it. Like, it's so weird. He would just slap her around for giggles and laughs. When she stopped reacting to that, he would punch her, beat her, kick her until she had a reaction. But not only that, he did this in front of the kids. It's almost like he wanted them to watch. So if he believed that she did something so unforgivable, like, God forbid, she didn't have his dinner ready on time, he would drag her out into the living room, on the floor, in front of the children who were playing or watching TV, and he would sodomize their own mother in front of them. So eventually, after eight years, she divorced him. And the last straw was that he had accused her of having an affair with one of his family members. So she's like, okay, I gotta go. In the divorce paper, she cited, and I quote, extreme cruelty. So the court awards her and her five children with $150 a month in child support. Not per child, but total But you think Angelo's going to let that slide? No, no. No, he's not. So instead of going by his real name, he starts going by Angelo Bono. He changes it, okay? So that he doesn't have to pay child support. It just seems like he just vanished. They couldn't even track him down to get that money. And Candy, I mean, she's been married to him for like, what, eight years? So she finally, she knows his patterns. She knows where he hangs out. She tracks him down. And instead of asking for child support... She asks if they can get back together, mainly for the kids. I mean, I think that she didn't believe that she could raise the kids by herself. And for eight years, she had been groomed. She had been manipulated. She had been deceived. I mean, maybe she genuinely thought this was the only way of life. Maybe she thought every man was like that. And he said, you want to you want to get back together? Okay, Candy. Well, why don't we go talk about it in our spot?
that he takes all the girls to, but I digress. I guess that's their spot now, right? So he drives her all the way up to the hills to the secluded spot, handcuffs her, shoves her up against a tree, and puts a pistol on her stomach and tells her, if you ever come looking for me, or if you ever utter child support, I will kill you. So she gave up all thoughts of reconciling and getting back together. And about a year later, Angelo meets another woman by the name of Nanette Campina. Now, they never officially get married, but they are together for another eight years. So he just moves on with this life. Now you're thinking, oh my God, how does he get all these women to stay with him for so long? Well, he had threatened Nanette. If she ever thought of leaving, he would hunt her down with his friends, like Hunger Games style, and kill her. So at this point, she's a mom of two already from a previous marriage. So she's got two kids. One of them is a daughter. Keep this in mind. Then she has two more kids with Angelo. And now he's 35 years old with eight children. And so for eight years, they just kind of live this blended family. It's not happy. It's abusive. It's violent. It's horrendous. It's just as bad as it was before. But the last straw in their relationship is when all of a sudden, Nanette realized that Angelo was getting too close to her daughter from her previous marriage. Annette. Now, too close is just a light way to put it, okay? 14-year-old Annette had told her mom that Angelo would fondle her intensely and make obscene suggestions to her. So Nanette is like, oh my gosh, Angelo is assaulting my daughter. That's definitely what's happening. So she tries to confront him. Did you do something to my kid? And this is so heartbreaking and an incredibly creepy response. He tells her, and I quote, she needs breaking in and I was just trying to break her in. So without telling anyone, Nanette takes her kids, gets on a plane to Florida, and just never looks back. So suddenly, Angelo's getting older, realizes that he has nobody else. Nobody wants to spend time with him. Nobody wants to marry him anymore. What a shocker. I mean, a catch like the Italian stallion? What are these women thinking? They're out of their minds. So he ends up getting a roommate named Ralph Harper, who at the time went by Artie Ford. He was an aspiring actor, really just trying to live that L.A. life, trying to make it. Not the greatest apartment, but at least he's in the city of stars, right? So Artie said that Angela was uh, just a bizarre roommate, probably one of the most bizarre. And that's saying a lot be it when you live in L.A. He had a really gross habit of staring out the window because their apartment looked over the local high school. And he would do this butt naked. Oh masturbating God. while oh peering through God. binoculars just like in the living oh room it didn't it wasn't even in his bedroom and if that wasn't terrifying angelo would brag to Artie, oh yeah i forked my stepdaughter and he said and i quote younger girls well i'm not gonna quote it actually younger girls down there smell real good like oh cheese God, no. oh. and he also claimed that he gave annette his 14 year old stepdaughter to his sons so that they could break her in as well so this i mean he's bragging about this this is like how scum of the earth he really is not only did he do this horrible deed but now he's bragging about it as if people are going to give him a pat on the back so when Artie finally meets some of angelo's sons i mean he was kind of intrigued like what kind of kids are they are they just as disgusting are they just mini me's of angelo but one of them was completely broken. One of them even confided in him, just a random roommate of his dad's, that his own dad was molesting him. The sons, too. Yeah. So Artie felt like he couldn't really do anything because, I mean, Angelo's terrifying. All day, his favorite story to tell was about how he would turn on the gas pipes in his ex-wife's house while she was gone. And his dream, his goal, was that she would come home, get on the couch, light a cigarette, and the whole house would blow. 
But she didn't, and he was really disappointed by it. So Artie, Artie's thinking, Oh my god, weren't your kids home? I mean, her kids, but also your kids, your own flesh and blood, weren't they home? What about the kids? Yeah, well, f*** the kids. If that's what he would do to his own kids, imagine what he would do to his roommate. So Artie never called the police, never turned him in, never really said anything. And finally, he was free because Angelo had saved up enough money to put a down payment on a house in Glendale. Glendale of Los Angeles. And he was stoked. He hated having roommates. They were all so weird. That's what Angelo thought. Yeah, Angelo, you're weird. And he loved his little house. He was such a neat freak, surprisingly. He did his own painting, plumbing, carpentry. He decorated his house. I don't know what's the word to use, honestly. Just very interestingly. He had a framed picture of his son, who is a U.S. Marine, on the wall. Then right next to it, you're like, okay, that's cute. He has one of his dead dad. Okay, still cute. Then he has one of his daughter. Now it's getting creepy because of who Angelo is. And then nearby was a picture of a woman named Peaches. He was hooking up with Peaches. So it's just like a... A picture of someone who he was having a sex with. I don't know. He wasn't even dating Peaches, right? Then he had an Italian flag. And then a Renaissance Madonna gazing into the room with her eternally serene eyes. And a sign that says, candy is dandy, but sex won't rot your teeth. Listen, you're not going to find that one at home, goods. That one's weird, okay? Now, Angela spends a lot of time making sure that everything is in place. Everything is dusted. He made sure that his Playboy magazines were alphabetically organized. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, but he did really organize them that meticulously, that frequently. He also had a waterbed. I just don't really trust people with waterbeds. But if it's just your pleasure reason, I don't know. What if it pops? Isn't there mildew? It just seems like a lot more work than it's actually worth. It's just a little weird. So he, ke- he keeps his gun on a display in a case. Oh, and his fish. He loved fish. He, had a- he loved angel fish because his name is Angelo. So he had this giant tank with a castle. And anytime the fish knocked over the little castle, he would roll up his sleeves and spend a lot of time carefully putting that castle back up. He would later be gifted a dog named Sparky and a ton of rabbits. And once his main house was complete, he decorated his garage into a car repair shop. So with all of this architectural digest work that he's doing, he would eat out a lot. And that's where he would literally insult waitresses and then date them afterwards. Okay, so he met a waitress by the name of Tanya. She's actually the one that gifted him Sparky and the rabbits, which, by the way, he had a strange way of raising Sparky. He believed that dogs were like women that you just have to use them for what they're worth. So he made sure that Sparky was never allowed inside the house because that's only one step away from licking Angelo's feet, and then that's only one step away from licking Angelo's leg. Then that's one step away from jumping onto the couch, and dogs are like women. They're only good for what they're good for. And Sparky's job was to make sure burglars were scared of the house. It was not to lay on the couch. So while he met her, Tanya, she was waitressing. She was a teenager. And Angelo liked them, quote, the younger the better. So they start dating and Tanya was just super vulnerable from the time that they met because of her age, first of all. But secondly, she was in a really abusive relationship and she found a bit of refuge at Angelo's place. She would go and she would complain about her boyfriend to him and Angelo would not take her side. Would instead tell her, and I quote, stop being a cunt. She'd be like, my boyfriend beat me again. And he'd be like, well, you were probably being a cunt. So Tanya, being this vulnerable and being this young, she felt this advice was because he cared, you know, because he would say, I wouldn't tell you this unless I didn't care about you. I'm just keeping it real. 
So she would go over often, they would do it, and eventually it started getting more and more violent. Angela would force her into performing fellatio, and he would choke her at the same time. So she would try to fight back because she didn't consent, and it was incredibly painful. And he would tell her, go ahead, go ahead and fight back because it makes my blank hard. It's so graphic, I'm sorry. But she really didn't have any decent person in her life and she found herself coming back to Angelo's frequently just time after time. One time they were in a threesome situation where Tanya, at last minute, I can't do this. This is too much. What, what am I getting myself into? I'm literally only 17 years old. Like I just feel nervous. I don't want to do this. That's fine. That's fine, right? But this had taken place after she had taken off her clothes and instead of being a decent human about it, Angelo tells her, well, it's too late. Don't be a bitch and throws her outside of his house, butt naked, so she can learn to quote-unquote behave. And then he forced her into the threesome afterwards. I love meal deliveries. In fact, I love everything about having my meals delivered straight to my doorstep, except the delivery fees. That's why I signed up for the Dash Pass, an exclusive membership from DoorDash that lets you make an unlimited amount of fee-free orders for eligible orders. Whether it's food from your favorite restaurants, groceries from across town, or anything in between, the Dash Pass can get you $0 deliveries and lower service fees on eligible orders. That means you can easily save money at your favorite restaurants and groceries stores the dash pass practically pays for itself in two orders on average the math is mathing plus dash pass gives you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items and all of this for only $9.99 a month open the door to zero dollar delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else sign up for dash pass today only on doordash and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member subject to change terms apply when I was in high school, I had this ritual every day after coming home from school. I would grab a salty snack, sit down, watch my favorite mystery drama on TV. And recently I discovered the adult version of that, which at the end of the workday, I grab salt and vinegar chips, snuggle up on the couch, and I play June's Journey. June's Journey is a hidden objects mystery game that makes me feel like I'm living inside of a mystery TV show that is very immersive. You play as Detective June Parker, and you just found out that your sister and husband were murdered. This is a fictional story. So you fly from London to New York to investigate, but the clues are just not adding up. So you get to go through these series of scenes from the mansion living room to a lavish garden to a 1920s style New York cafe. In each room, you have to find hidden objects that help you solve the mystery of your sister's death. And in the meantime, a whole lot of unexpected just scandalous twists are going to happen. There's family secrets, danger, there's romance. I love traveling all over the world with June. Currently, I'm exploring Paris in the 1920s. Because the game is set in the 1920s, it just has the most aesthetic game design ever, and it's so cozy. Whenever I need a break from the suspense, I can pause the story and head over to my private island. Yeah, they give you a private island and you get to customize it however you want for you. I love cottage core mixed with that old money vibe with a huge mansion and a luxurious garden and even like this train rail. June's journey is the best way to unwind at the end of a long day or just to take a break in the middle of the day when I feel overwhelmed. I can escape all of my problems and turn into Detective June. Discover your inner detective when you download June's journey for free today on iOS and Android. Thank you. 
if he couldn't find any other girls to sleep with, he would just sleep with his son's girlfriends who were typically 16 years old. I know. I'm Okay, I'm laughing not because it's funny, but because your face was kind of funny right now. He's really shocked. That's disgusting. So they were typically 16 years old and he loved it because, again, younger, the better. Right. Now, here's the weird habit that he had. He would ask these girls for these small school pictures. You know, the ones that you get at school for your wallets, like you would give to, I don't know, your dad, Mm -hmm. like people who love you. Your book picture. Yeah. You can get the the small pages. Right. And um, he would say, can I get one? And he would stuff his wallet full of them. He had so many of them in his wallet. I mean, it was literally busting. He had it right next to his fake police ID badge. Next to that, he had other things like little love notes that he requested that these 16-year-old girls write. They would say things like, to the stud of the year, it was really fun knowing you. See you around town. Or Tony, that's his nickname. Someday when I get mad, I'll walk out on you and you'll have this picture of me. But that day will probably never come because we've already come this far. Let's go all the way. This one was alarming as well. It said, dear Tony slash dad, here's a small picture for your wallet to keep just in case you can't picture me and you can remember this and what I looked like. So, I mean, this guy is heavily grooming these poor girls, right? This is not just happening out of thin air. Like, he is truly manipulating them, brainwashing them, grooming them. Another victim was 16-year-old Antoinette, and he made her think that she was just this mature, confident girl, unlike her immature friends, unlike the immature boys at her high school. No, you're different. That's why I, a 40-year-old like you... And she felt better about this. She had low self-esteem. So she thought, oh my gosh, like this guy really values me. Like he sees me for what I possibly am. So she would ride her bike to his house after school and he would shower her with gifts like a new tennis racket. And he really took his time with her, with grooming her. He kept telling her right when you graduate. Oh, right after graduation, I'll propose. We'll get married. He made her think that they were in love. Meanwhile, he was assaulting her. I mean, essentially he was raping her. And grooming her to think that all sex like this is normal. You've just never had sex before, so of course, this is new to you. He would mention about how fun it would be if she were to pass out while, quote, deep-throating. It would be the most fun that they ever have. One day, Antoinette had actually caught Angelo in his house having sex with Tanya. And she ran away crying because she thought, oh my god, I thought we were in love. Like, I thought we were going to get married. But eventually, she came back and Angelo convinced her, it's not cheating. You have to understand, a man is just filled with enormous passion. We're not, what do men say, or what do some men say? Men are not made to be monogamous. We're not monogamous creatures. Like, he gave her that whole spiel. Okay, listen, you ever hear that run 25 miles per hour the opposite direction? That is so alarming, okay? And besides, Antoinette, I'm not going to be doing this when we get married. You know, when we get married, obviously, I'm going to be lovingly faithful to you. I just have a lot of passion right now. And she took him back. And just the list of horrible things that he would do to this poor girl, he convinced her to loan him $300. But he actually used the money to fly out his ex-wife's daughter, Annette, the one that he had assaulted. Yeah, flew her out using Antoinette's money. Later, Antoinette gets pregnant. He convinces her to get an abortion. But that's okay. That's okay because they're going to get married, right? The next time he gets, she gets pregnant again, she ends up miscarrying. And he's like, that's okay, because we're going to get married, right? 
So around this time, a guy comes into the picture. His name is Kenneth Bianchi. Now, he's known as, quote unquote, Angelo's crazy cousin. So they're cousins, right? He comes and moves to Los Angeles. Originally, he was also born in Rochester, New York, just like Angelo. Now, his mom was, his biological mom was a sex worker. He never really met her, never really knew her, kind of knew about her later vaguely, but never had a relationship with her. That was about it. She had given him up for adoption when he was only three months old. She was adopted by Jenny Buono's sister. So this is, you know, Angelo's aunt who had adopted him. Her name is Frances. So they're not blood related. They're not blood related, which I think is more alarming or less alarming. I don't know. Maybe Mm -hmm. more. Because what are the odds? Maybe you could just say the environment of that family. Yeah. I don't know. So since the day that Kenneth could talk, I mean, he was an absolute compulsive liar. And it would just be the most off-the-wall bizarre lies. Like, Francis was starting to get worried about him because not only is he lying all the time, but he would go into these little trances where he would just stare off into space and his eyes would just roll back into his head. Uh, hello? What's going on? So Francis is freaking out. Well, I I gotta take him to the doctor or something to get to the bottom of it. But when she does, they thought, well, it's probably some small seizures. He's going to grow out of it. He's just a kid. Let him have these seizures in peace, Francis. You've got nothing to worry about. This later made a lot of people speculate that possibly he was faking his seizures. He actually wasn't having any. But regardless, eventually Francis didn't understand why Kenneth just wasn't like the other boys. She takes him to a psychiatrist. Turns out she was part of the problem. The psychiatrist told her, Kenneth is a hostile child. I'm talking hostile, lady, okay? He's got this intense dependent attachment on you, and both of you guys should be in therapy together. I don't know if they didn't do it, but it didn't work. So off to high school, Kenneth goes, and he starts dating a lot. He starts getting these tattoos. On his right arm, he gets a motorcycle with the words, Satan's own MC. I don't know if that means Satan's own motorcycle. (laughs) <laughs> or like a MC. DJ, like a host at a wedding, the MC. I don't know. But a few days later, he said he was embarrassed of it and he didn't know why he got it. So that was maybe a drunk mistake. Just at 18 years old, he gets married to Brenda Beck and it only lasts a few months. He hated the fact that Brenda was way too independent. She had a job. Disgusting. She was a nurse. Ugh. And she wasn't a virgin when they got married. Like, how does she even have the audacity? That's disgusting. So the latter was probably the last straw because strangely, Kenneth had a warped view of female purity. And it was really extreme. He hated women wearing tight jeans, V-neck sweaters, believed that they should dress more modestly and that they should be pure till marriage. Of course, he shouldn't live by those standards because men are different. You know, they're not wired to be monogamous. So once he leaves high school, his main dream in life is to be a police officer. He wants to, quote, help people. Unfortunately for him, fortunately for the rest of the world, he was denied. And he was just so heartbroken. So he gets a job as a security at a little, like a little clothing place anyway. And he's like, you know what? This is better than the police force because at least I can steal things from the store that I'm guarding. At least I can like steal these things and then give them to all of my girlfriends because he had a lot of girlfriends, but not a lot of money. So this is perfect. It worked out great. Later, he said the urge to steal is as bad as the urge to pee. And he never grew out of his lying phase. So he's 21 and he sits down to write a letter to his girlfriend. He mainly would lie to get sympathy. And you'll be a little confused once I read you the letter because you're like, how is that going to get anyone sympathy? But Mm -hmm. he genuinely just wanted sympathy. So it's confusing. He tells her about how he had killed a man. But don't worry about me, baby. 
I'm good. I'm not going to get caught. I made the death look like a heart attack. Now here's the problem, though. I am suspected in three other murders. The murders of three little girls. Poor me. Woo is me. What am I going to do? Are you going to visit me in jail? I'm on the run. But he didn't do it. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and he wrote it for sympathy. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Because what girl is going to look at that and be like, oh my God, he needs my support right now. There's going to be one person out there, huh? There's got to be. Yeah. There's people who get married to serial killers. So what am I saying? <laughs> Maybe he lied more as he got older because his life was getting boring. Or at least that's what he thought. He wanted a fresh start. Let's move to LA. Let's make something of ourselves. Come on, Kenneth, you got this. So he asked his mom, <laughs> who told him that maybe you can ask your cousin. Maybe you can ask my nephew, Angelo. He lives in Los Angeles. Why don't you stay with him while you try to get your life together or get a job? It'll be great. So they call up their buddy, Angelo, and he says, yeah, 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 come on over. It'll be great, okay? Sounds good. Real quick, let me just give you a more visual look at this guy. So Kenneth is 26 years old, and he was obsessed with wearing leather coats, jeans, and suits when he didn't need to wear suits. He had permed his hair so that it would constantly be curly. He had this nice little mustache. Well, at least for a while. He loved switching up his look all the time. Sometimes he was freshly shaven Ken. Sometimes he had a full-on beard and a perm. A lot of people say that he was inspired by Angelo's naturally curly hair. Honestly, rude, but the author describes him to be just like any other person in L.A. trying to make it. Like, he's the type of guy, the way that he acts and, like, his demeanor, his cadence, it almost seems like he's, he looks like he's being photographed. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The way that he walks, the way that he stops and looks like out into the street. Much. Yeah, just doing too much. You're not in a movie, sir. There's no paparazzi anywhere. Mm. Nobody knows you, Kenneth. What's going on? So when he gets to California, he stays with Angelo. And how, how old was 20. Angelo. Oh, I think like late 30s. Okay. Kenneth is 26. Okay. So like a decade difference. But both pretty horrible people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe, listen, I can't even pick a more horrible one. It's just so bad. And Kenneth was impressed by Angelo. <laughs> just so impressed. How are you so good with the ladies? Teach me your ways. And he starts picking up on his little tricks here and there, a.k.a. just being an absolute douche. And the two of them would just get so excited when Angelo's sons would come over because, yes, you guessed it, both of them wanted to sleep with the girlfriends. Sometimes if it didn't work out, Angelo would sit his sons down with his girlfriends. Kenneth is there too, so this is like their uncle. They would sit all on the couch and they would turn on porn. And just watch it together as a group. I mean, this is the epitome of family-friendly bonding, don't you think? I mean, how else do you get to know your son's girlfriends? This is the only way. Eventually, Angela would decide, okay, well, let me try to kind of try my way with my own daughter, Grace. He would convince her to only come over after cheerleading practice, and he wanted her to sleep on his waterbed with him as a high schooler. I mean, this is so bizarre. So one night, Angelo and Kenny and Angelo the third, we're just going to call him by his middle name, Anthony. They were all sitting around with nothing better to do. And Angelo's thinking, I got a, I got a great idea. Let's get a girl over here. Like, like, a, like a sex worker? Like we can call one to the house? I mean, that sounds good. Yeah. D Dad, didn't you have like a magazine laying around with the sex workers on there? Let's call the number. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So they stated, they call that number, and they stated they wanted a sex worker, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that could handle three guys. 
And when she got to the house, all three guys took turns with her in the bedroom. Meanwhile, when Kenny was in the room with the woman, Angelo starts digging through her purse in front of his son. Like, this is what he's teaching his son. Digging through the woman's purse, looking for money, and goes, oh, look, nice, five bucks. Stuffs it in his pocket, and he starts giving his son valuable life lessons at that moment. I tell you what, son, this one is a dumb she didn't even take any money up front. Can you believe that? That's the first rule they teach you. She's so dumb. She's not even worth paying. She's not even that good, right? Wait, dad, we're just not going to pay her? That's what I just said, isn't it? Just, just watch. When Kenny gets back with the girl, Angelo straight up tells her, hey, you ain't worth shit. Here, take your purse and get out of here. No, but you owe me for my services. What's fair is fair. Oh, yeah? You'd be lucky giving away your services for free. Tell you what, he reaches inside his pocket, grabs his wallet, pulls out his fake police badge. Why don't you get out of here real fast or else I'm going to arrest you? So what's it going to be? She quickly grabs her things and skedaddles out of there. Now they're all sitting around the living room. Angelo's on his high horse teaching his son. You, you see what I just taught you? You can't let a get the upper hand. You got to put them in their place. She wasn't worth sh- As they're sitting there, they're high-fiving, giving these horrible life lessons, and the phone starts ringing. Hey, son, go pick it up. Hello? The person on the other line just says, You got a real nice house. Real nice. Tell you what, I'm going to mess up your house real good. I'm going to blow up that nice house of yours. You're going to be flying high. I'm going to send you into the sky. You're going to die, you motherfucker. You don't pay for your play, you're not going to see another day. Tell you what, recreation can be real expensive. And they hung up. There we go. Angelo's like, who is it? Jesus, some insert racial slur here. Says he's going to blow up the house. Ah, must be her pimp. Fuck it, he's bluffing. Where is he even going to find dynamite at this time of night? He's just joking around. I know, I don't know where you find dynamite at the time of day. Okay. What? <laughs> okay, that guy, that pimp is just joking around. Kenny was the only one that seemed worried. Are, are you sure? Yeah, calm down. Besides, it adds a little excitement and helps pass the time, am I right? But as he said that, bright headlights shine through the window. And when they look outside, someone is parked in the driveway, honking their horn. Who's that? I don't know. The driver gets out. Did you guys call for a taxi? No, we didn't call for a taxi. It's a mistake. Then the phone rang. Angelo picked it up this time. If you don't pay by midnight, I'm going to blow the place. And they hung up. It was 11.45. They had 15 minutes. So Kenny starts freaking out. Are you sure? Are you sure he's not serious? Should we get out of here? What do we do? Angelo rushes into his room, grabs three rifles, gives one to each guy, and says, if this, insert racial slur, gets in here within 10 yards of this house, we shoot. He's going to be a dead N-word. Watch the side door, Kenny. Anthony, you're in the front. There's no way anyone can come in from the back. We've got all sides covered. So they all crouch down below the windows with their rifles ready, and a white van pulls up into the house. But it's a giant ambulance. We didn't call you. Get out of here. It's a mistake. Ain't nobody sick here. So this pissed off Angelo. Someone was messing with them, calling cars to their place. Who's he going to call next, huh? Kenny says, well, he might call a hearse. That's where they transport dead bodies. Shut up, Kenny. A few minutes before midnight, another call comes in. Your house is going to blow up by midnight. You have a few minutes left. 
So this really throws off Angelo. He's finally scared. So just like any other guy who's not tough, who's not bad, he runs to the phone. 911, hello? <laughs> Can you come over to my house, please? They rush to the scene and they're like, everyone stay calm. Put down your guns. What's going on in here? Listen, officer. I'm just a businessman. My name's Angelo and I, I don't want any trouble. I'm a victim of a bomb threat. Okay, sir, calm down. We'll keep an eye out on the house tonight and for the next few days. And that's what they do. But nothing happens. But Kenny, Kenny loved this experience. He loved it so much he wanted to join the police force again. God, why do I want to be a police officer? Well, let me think. I want to help people. Look, people need our help. It's troubled times out there. I get to work outside. I don't really like an office job. I want to go around the city. I want to make America safe again. You know, a place of law and order. So he applies to be in the Glendale Police Department and the LAPD. And he was rejected from both. <laughs> so he gives up and he starts looking for other possibilities. Maybe he can go to college and study psychology. He wanted to coach people on how they should live their lives. Yes, because he doesn't rob and threaten sex workers in his free time. That's not what he does. He opens up a place called La Brea Counseling Services. He bought a diploma online with money that his mom was still sending him every single month because he was a mama's boy. I mean, this guy is in his late 20s. He opens up a shop with the goal to, quote unquote, advise people on whether or not to have an abortion, what to do when you're faced with a terminal illness diagnosis, and how to deal with impotence caused by unemployment. <laughs> it's when you can't get a bonbon because you're unemployed. Uh. <laughs> so Angela wasn't really impressed by any of this. He was starting to get annoyed with Kenny. I mean, you're overstaying your visit, okay? I thought you were just going to stay here a couple of months. Sure, sure, Angelo likes having someone around to admire him, praise him, and obviously respect him. Give him the love and admiration that only Angelo deserves. But like a woman and a dog, Kenny needs to be put in his place now and then. Hey, Kenny, come over here. I need you to find a real job, get your own place, and do it fast, because I'm kicking your ass out. Okay. So Kenny has to give up La Brea counseling. He's not bringing in money, so he gets a job at the California Land Title Company, and he hated working there. He told his boss that he has cancer, and he needs to call out because he has to go to chemo all the time. This was a lie. His boss was not impressed by his work or his pretty obvious cancer lie, but for some reason they kept him around. Even though the huge problem was that Kenny would go into the systems, get access to the names and addresses of a ton of celebrities, write it down, share it with his friends. This is like before the internet. So this is back before doxing was really a thing. And this truly was incredibly difficult information to get. And he would tell his friends, if I wanted, I could just drive up to the celebrities' houses just to say hi. Listen, listen, if I weren't such an honest and good man, I would use this information to rob these rich people. But I won't because I'm a good person. But his mom, on the other hand, is thinking, oh my God, my baby Kenneth, how grown you are now. And she was so happy that she sent him money to buy a new car. A hot 1972 Cadillac four-door sedan. A chick magnet, as they call it. And with his job and his mom, Kenny gets his own place just six blocks away from Angelo. With his newfound independence, he calls up Susan. Who's Susan, huh? It was a girlfriend that he had in Rochester, in New York. He had proposed to her multiple times and she kept denying him because he was immature, always cheating. What's wrong with you? But he called her and said, listen, Susan, I've established myself now. I have a job. I have my own place. I left the place I was comfortable to try to make it in L.A. And now I realize I appreciate you. I should have treated you better. The girls out here, these California girls, these hot, sexy California girls just aren't for me. They're too loose. 
They think having sex is the same as eating a hamburger. Even their clothes are slutty. They're not modest. I need you. I want you to come and like marry me, please. So Susan is, um, she's honestly swept up by this, okay? She surprisingly gives him a chance. So she's impressed. She flies to California. He picks her up in his brand new Cadillac. But the minute that she sees his apartment, her happiness is short-lived. The entire place is decorated with very obviously fake college diplomas from places like Columbia University, (laughs) where you know damn well Kenneth did not go, okay? So she tried anyway. That is until Kenny found out that she had been on a couple of dates since he had moved. He told her, no, you're no better than the California sluts. Mm-mm. You've got to go. So the very first night together, they were just fighting, arguing about how she was a slut. And the very next day, less than 24 hours in L.A., Susan wants to go home. He drives her to the airport thinking, maybe she'll change her mind, be impressed by me, and want to go back to my apartment. So he tries to woo her in the span of an hour by sobbing in her face. You don't even know how much I love you. Like, it's immeasurable in this world. I'm lost without you. You're the only one for me. We're perfect together. But she still got on that plane. But he was... Just mad at her for being a slut. It's very confusing. This guy went through so many emotional stages in 24 hours. And then he leaves. And almost immediately, he stops crying and just calls up his other girlfriends. That he was also lying to, by the way. So Susan really had dodged a bullet because dating Kenny is really something else. He was insanely jealous, super possessive over his multiple girlfriends. He had been hooking up with a woman that lived in his apartment building named Angie. Now, they were just hooking up, okay? When they stop seeing each other, she finds someone new. They start dating. And eventually, I mean, he moves into the unit. They're Mm -hmm. really in love. Kenny, Kenny's mad. He thought, how could she betray him? That was the best sex she's probably ever had, right? Girls are so dumb. How could you do that? So he'd pound on her door late at night. He would confront her in the laundry room. She told him, grow up, get a life. It was just sex. So he broke into her apartment and found her diaphragm, which is like a inverted condom, essentially. You put it into the vagina before you have sex. He punched a hole through it, threw it on the ground, and then urinated all over it stole the boyfriend's new TV for good measure, and then he placed a semen-filled condom over the doorknob. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) Yeah. Then there was another woman named Kelly that he met that he actually had a child with. Anyway, she was upset that he was always coming home late. He just wasn't the same as before they had this kid. He would essentially love bomb her in the beginning with these letters, these sweet little gifts, like just all these sweet words of affirmation. But now he barely cared about her, kept telling her he needed his freedom. But she wasn't allowed to have hers. Anytime his jealousy would spike, he would try to get sympathy from her and would lie that he had cancer. And to really sell it, he would drive to the hospital with her, asked her to wait in the Cadillac while he went in to get his treatment. Eventually, he starts a new business called Dr. Bianchi will answer any five questions for $10. That was like the sign, okay? Why would you ask him questions, you wonder? Well, he's a Columbia University graduate and a quote-unquote certified sex therapist. That's why. It didn't work. The questions, nobody had questions for him. Nobody really wanted to ask him questions. So Angelo decides, well, why don't we do a joint business venture together? You and me, the family business, cousin to cousin. Okay. What do you have in mind? Kenny, think about this. You and me, pimps. That's good, huh? I've been thinking about it for weeks. It's a good business model. So one of us is going to be the pimp. The other one is going to go find the clients. Oh, it'll be good. It'll be perfect. Okay, well, how do we start? 
We just need to find a girl. That's it. Just pimp out a girl. Okay, okay. So Kenny goes to a party and finds a 16-year-old girl named Sabra Hanan. Now, she was an aspiring model and she was she was beautiful. And he kept saying, well, you should be making a ton of money modeling. You just haven't found the right people yet. I'm telling you, I have a ton of contacts in Hollywood. Matter of fact, I can guarantee that you're going to make $500 a week easy. Minimum. Here, take my card. Yeah, um, no problem. Okay, well, I'll, I'll think about it, right? So they part ways. And she said she would call if she couldn't find any more work. And about a month later, she called him. Hey, Kenny, I'm in Phoenix, but um, you said that I can make $500 a week. If you can just buy me a ticket back to LA, I'll work for a week and then I can pay you back for the, uh, the plane fare. Yeah, no problem, Sabra. I'll have my secretary arrange for a plane ticket, he said. Just pick it up at the airport. By the way, do you need a place to stay? Uh, yeah, probably. No big deal. I'll have my secretary arrange everything. I'll meet you at the airport. Man, I have, I have a good feeling about this, okay? Sabra, I really think that you're going to go places. So he rushes to Angelo. Angelo, guess what? I just got a girl and just wait till you see her. Oh, she's first class. Tall, blonde, skinny, great boobs. They stand right up and wink at you. That's what he said, okay? These are not my descriptions. And she's broke. Wait, but I didn't tell her it was sex work, Angelo. She thinks we're doing a modeling gig. Wait, what do I do, Angelo? She looks too clean cut to be down for sex work. What do I do? I didn't even tell her it was nude modeling. Kenny, relax. Don't worry. You paid her plane fare. You already own her. She owes us. Leave it to me. We'll be getting gold out of her ass in no time. <sighs> I'm telling you, the book wants makes you gag okay this whole their conversations make you gag the way that they think makes you gag if i offered you two different pairs of jeans and i told you that you can only wear one of them you could probably decide in two seconds but what if i offered you a thousand pairs of jeans and they're all slightly different and i said you can only wear one of these for the next 12 months straight this will be your go-to pant of choice what are you going to do? How do you even start to choose? That's exactly what I felt like when I was combing through thousands of listings whenever we were moving to a new apartment. I would spend hours a day stressing about, is this apartment in a good neighborhood? Is it going to accommodate my dogs? Does it fit my budget? I didn't know any of these. And the worst part is most of the listings didn't even tick all of my boxes. That is why Apartments.com is your best place to look for your new home. Apartments.com lets you filter your search based on whether you have pets, if you want a balcony, built-in AC, whatever it is that you're looking for. The website remembers your search so that you don't have to keep filtering every time you come back. And Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else, meaning no matter how specific your needs are, they got you. And your instant alerts mean that you can spend less time online looking for the perfect place and more time doing you. So if you're looking for a new place to call home, head over to Apartments.com, apartments.com, the place to find a place. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. 
and it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. So Kenny picks her up at the airport, heads straight for Angelo's place. He gave her some orange juice that he had spiked so she'd be knocked out by the time that they pull up into Angelo's driveway. And they get her a place to stay at the motel across the street from Angelo's place. And when Kenneth signed for the room, I mean, this is just weird. It's not really pertinent to the story. He signed it. Kenneth A. Bianchi, PhD. <laughs> I don't know why he felt the need to do that, but he did, okay? He needed the motel staff to know that he had a fake PhD. So finally, when Sabra wakes up, she gets taken into the motel where Kenny takes out a box of diamonds and shows it to her. Listen, if you work for me and Angelo for six months, you can get one of these diamonds as a bonus on top of your salary. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Like yesterday I was broke and now now I'm staring at these beautiful diamonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. Sabra, we take good care of our employees i mean we really it's great for morale here try this on and he would pass her these two nightgowns and she changed but when she came out of the bathroom she said kenny do you mind if we talk tomorrow i don't know why but i just feel so tired and she went to lay down and he jumps into bed with her she did not even have the strength to fight back she was so tired for some reason yeah she was spiked and all she could say was no i don't even really know you like not now Come on, Sabra, you're acting like a virgin. You can't fool me. And Kenny's thinking to himself, I'm so dumb. I should have given her something stronger. I've been waiting to rape her for the past two days. And she kept begging, no, please, can you let me sleep? And surprisingly, he did. Because he wanted to groom her. So the next day, Angelo meets Sabra, and he looks her up and down and smiles. That was his way of saying hi gets up from his chair, pulls out a wad of cash, like he always carries, yeah, the Italian stallion, pulls out a $100 bill, gives it to her. Here, this will get you some new clothes. You're working for us right now. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I guess I'm working for you guys. Okay, well, that means your word is your bond to us for one year. Got it? Sure. No, really. Your word is your bond. Remember that. Don't forget that. Okay? Okay. And they move Sabra into the spare bedroom and Angelo's place. And they really groom her. First, they isolate her. Then they told her that anywhere she goes, she has to tell them. She can't take jobs without them. She can't go anywhere without them. She can't even take a walk without them. But when do I get to start working? Well, hold on. It's July. You don't know about July? Oh, you're really not from here, are you? You know everyone in L.A. is on vacation in July. Hollywood stops during the summer. You don't get jobs in the summer. Are you kidding? Yeah, because vacations. So you're just going to have to wait around for a while. So they tried to ease her, manipulate her into sex work. At first, they asked if she wanted to do a high-class nude photo shoot, but the client wanted some test shots. So they get her on Angelo's waterbed, take nude pictures of her, and she agreed. She said it was really uncomfortable, but she did it. Oh, that's so sad, though, Sabra. The The deal fell through last minute. I'm so sorry, but at least we have these test shots to send to other people now. Hey, have you ever thought about doing sex work, though? Oh, no, no, no way. I'm really not into that. Well, just think about it. Meanwhile, don't go anywhere without me. Got it? 
Now, she thought that they were just joking when they kept saying this. So one day, she does decide to go out to cheer herself up. She had that $100 bill. Maybe, you know, she was a little bit depressed from not being able to get a job, that deal falling through. So she decides to go shopping. But the problem was, she just left. She genuinely just left, got up out of the house, hitched a ride to the mall, and did some shopping, and came home. Now, when she gets there, the cousins are waiting outside for her. You left without me. Yeah, I just went to get some new clothes. Look, do you like the skirt? You walked down Colorado and got a ride with some guy. Do you know that guy? No, uh, I just thought he was nice. When you were at the mall, you talked to someone. Did you know that person? No, I, they just asked me a question and I answered it. You're a lying cunt whore. Kenny, get the towel. Take off your clothes and do what I say. So they drag her back into her room and they start beating her with a wet towel. Now, this was Kenny's first time beating a woman. This was not Angelo's. And Angelo taught him the benefits of a wet towel. It doesn't leave bruising marks. And Kenny loved it. The whole experience. He loved Angelo egging him on. Angelo kept telling him, hit the bullseye right between the legs. Do it. Oh, my God. So that night, they assaulted her, made her perform fellatio on them, and threatened her. They told her, you work for us now as a sex worker. You don't have a choice. You owe us for the plane ride and the clothes that you just bought. And you're going to have to pay it back one way or the other. Remember, your word is your bond for a year. Even if you do try to run away, you're dead. Do you understand that? You can't escape. We have friends in the mafia. You know what they do to girls who try to run? I'll tell you what they do. They cut off their arms. They cut off their legs. And they chop them up and ship them out into the desert. Do you want to do that? Do you want to be that? So thus, their business, their LLC, was formed. Whenever a man came into Angela's car repair shop in his garage, he would show that person nude pictures of Sabra. And he would say, and I quote, you want a piece of that? And if they did, they would pay up front they would be escorted into a room where she would have sex with them. Worse is that he had more customers come by because they got word of Sabra. They also didn't give Sabra a dime, nothing. Even when they went out to eat, they refused to let her order anything. Angela would just sit there, order his favorite soup, grin and eat it in front of Sabra and say, I bet you're real hungry, aren't you? Remember what will happen if you run away, okay? And they would also proceed to rape her at least once a day. And they only referred to her by her nickname, which was Tits. So it's said that Angelo had an obsession with anal sex, but he, when he tried to sodomize Sabra, it didn't work. And he was so upset that he invested in this large dildo and he told her to, quote unquote, practice with it or else. And she cried, but she still tried because she was terrified. Which, by the way, every time she was crying and, you know, trying, I guess, the cousins would watch her and yell at her while they were both masturbating, like in the same room. And if it didn't work, she was beat with a wet towel. While all of this is taking place, Sabra was trapped in the house. Angelo had other girls come over. They either didn't know or maybe didn't try to help save Sabra. Maybe they were terrified. Remember Antoinette, the young girl that he was going to marry right after high school? In reality, he was getting annoyed of her. She was boring now and potentially getting too old. So he told her, listen, how will you know that you're not going to fall in love with someone else? You've only ever been with me. How do you know? You're in high school. How do you know you're not going to fall in love with some other guy after we get married? What if you're just like the other girls that broke my heart? And she's like, no, Angelo, I would never. Listen, the way to prove it is you have to screw someone else and tell me if you like it. If you don't like it, we're going to get married. Okay? She's thinking, but I don't really like anyone else. How would I even do that? 
That's okay. I'll arrange something. This was perfect because Angelo, being a pimp now, was in charge of supplying girls for an orgy for one of his clients. There would be at least seven men present, and they wanted at least two girls. So now there's Sabra and there's Antoinette. And Angelo decided that the two girls would split up. Since Sabra was more experienced, she would get five men. Meanwhile, Antoinette would get two since she wasn't that experienced yet. And Sabra was even compensated a whopping $60 for this orgy. And Antoinette afterwards, what was she given? Well, she was broken up with because she showed, quote unquote, signs of enjoyment. So she would not be a good wife. So now his sex work business is booming. I mean, it was time, like any other growing business, to focus on expansion. So he pulls Sabra to the side and tells her, unless you want to be, you know, here for another 10 months, maybe a year, you need to find another girl. We need to contract her. Okay, I, I know someone, I know someone, but they're in Phoenix. Okay, well, you can go back for one week to bring her back, but don't try anything funny because I have friends in law enforcement in Phoenix and they owe me favors. I'm the real deal. You don't want to mess with me. So Sabra comes back with 15-year-old Becky. Becky had been wanting to leave home. She had a rough family life. She wanted to start a new life in a big city like LA. This is where her dreams would come true. And Angelo liked Becky from the get-go. His favorite thing about her was that she, quote-unquote, let him sodomize her when he threatened to end her life. So with this, he managed to move Sabra out of the house, get her own place nearby, but she was so terrified she couldn't run. And Becky would stay in the spare room. Becky was sodomized so often and so violently by Angelo that at just 15 years old, he had torn her sphincter muscles. So she had to wear a tampon in her rectum to control her bowel movements. She was beat so often and so violently. Meanwhile, Becky was super passive and she was shocked at only 15 years old. Anytime Angelo yelled at her, she would just shut down. And he would get so upset trying to shake her, trying to get her riled up like, what's the matter with you? Aren't you alive? Fight me. Even tits is better than you. Now with the two girls, he really felt like he could start advertising, marketing for his business. So he booked ads on a place called Foxy Ladies, and he offered to send Sabra and Antoinette to these clients' houses, which is super dangerous. In addition to that, they were ripped by the cousins and all the other car repair clients, and they were never paid. They were barely given enough food to survive. And one day, a client calls into the Foxy Lady Services. His name is David Wood, and he's a Los Angeles attorney. Now, typically, he's not a client for these types of services, but he was feeling extra lonely that night, and he thought, might as well try it out. So Becky gets sent over to his house, and he was surprised. He was disgusted. He just felt grossed out by her. He was like, oh my God, you don't even look showered. Am I really going to let you, this nasty person, into I'm saying this because he's not a great person, okay? So please don't praise him. Am I really going to let you into my clean, expensive attorney-owning house with your dirtiness? <sighs> I don't know. But he felt pity for her because her pit might get mad. Her pit might beat her. So fine, you can come into my office. But don't don't lay on my bed. Don't even sit on my couch, you know? So he lets her into the office and he asks the usual, how did a nice young girl like you get into sex work? And the floodgates just opened and poor Becky literally poured her soul out to David. I mean, everything. She was being held captive. They were raping her. She felt like they were going to kill her soon. These two cousins, they're friends with the mafia. Now, David, being an attorney and a pretty smart dude, he was like, yeah, they're probably not connected to the mafia. Like they're taking advantage of this young girl. He doesn't even have connections to the police because he's taken advantage of this, this young girl who will believe anything. He's got this. He's just a low time pimp. It's disgusting. So he buys her a ticket to Phoenix where she didn't have family, but at least friends to be with. 
and he he takes her to the airport, sends her off. So very nice. Just like that. Just like that. But doesn't call the police probably because uh, he had hired a sex worker, which is illegal, right? Yeah. So that night, Angela and Kenny didn't try to get Becky back from David because they honestly didn't suspect a thing. They felt like David Woods was the type of guy to ask a girl out to dinner before going to bed. You know, the suited up guy, one of those losers. That's how they called it. But he probably wouldn't be done with her till the morning. It's a really bad way to phrase it, but that's kind of how they made it sound. So when morning came, Becky's still not home. What the hell? They call David. Listen, I will kill. They get hung up on. They call again. You don't know who you're dealing with. I have connect. <laughs> they got hung up on. And they realize Becky wouldn't be coming back. Mm-hmm. And they start worrying. Listen, if Sabra sees this, she's going to see the company failing because this is a business. Remember, then she's going to get an idea and she's going to run. So to prevent that, to scare her, they stuff Becky's clothes into a box with a dead cat and show it to her. This is a learning message, right? Do you get it? Dead pussy. That's what that means, Sabra. So that's what Becky's going to be. And that's what you will be if you ever try to leave. To make good on that promise, Angelo keeps harassing David to get back his, quote, property. David, the attorney, instead of calling the police, calls up a client by the name of Tiny, a 300-pound bouncer at a club that he had represented once. Listen, I need a favor. I need you to go bring your other friends and tell this guy to leave me alone. So Tiny shows up at Angelo's place with four of his other not-so-tiny friends, and they threaten him. And Angelo, okay, 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 I got the message. So thankfully, Sabra didn't lose hope. She tries to escape, and finally, a few months later, she leaves L.A., and she disappears. Now the cousins, they're out of their business, and they were mad. This means that they can't afford the payments on their beautiful Cadillac. Are you kidding me? We can't let the girls get away with this. We need to kill them or kill someone. We need to kill some sex worker. We need to get our revenge out in the world. We need to rip and kill a sex worker. And that shows everyone we don't tolerate stuff like this. When I get my hands around some cut's throat, some cut that doesn't deserve to live, that's how he was phrasing it. Oh, it'll be done for. So one night in September, Angelo gets Kenny. Psst. Hey, let's go get a whore and get it over with. So they drive around Hollywood, pick up two teenage girls. They get into the car and Angelo drives them around, taking them up the hills, flashes his police badge, the fake one. Girls, if you don't cooperate with me, you'll be busted, okay? I'm going to send you to jail. Are you getting what I'm putting down? They assaulted the girls in the car. And afterwards, they pushed them out completely naked and let them go. So Angelo would later blame Kenny for this. You chickened out. No, Angela, I, I swear I didn't. Honest, I would have done it. I, I thought you didn't want to because I thought, you know, with two of them, maybe maybe we're just trying to kill one person. Yeah. Well, Kenny, I call bullshit. Okay? Let's see what you're made of tomorrow night. The next night, they drove around and they stopped when they spotted two girls. Now, it was unclear if they were sex workers, but once they pulled up, one of the girls ran away and the other one stayed to talk. Angela pulls out his fake police badge. Vice squad, let's see some ID. Oh, uh, my wallet was stolen, but I have my citizen papers. And they take a look at it, and she happened to be Catherine Lohr, a daughter of a Hungarian actor who played a rapist and murderer in a very big box movie. What? Hey, look what we got here. It's Peter Lohr's daughter. Well, where are you going? Home? Um, from school? I have a right. Look, over there. So Kenny kept looking at Angelo, like, should we let her go? Do we kidnap her? What do we do? But Angelo told him, no, we got to let this one go. Okay, well, take care of yourself, Catherine. You shouldn't be walking out this late at night. And they just stopped. 
they stopped looking for girls. So the next few months, I mean, it was a bit rough. Angelo had a bit of a life crisis. His mom was sick with vaginal cancer and it seemed like he was so torn between does he love his mom? Does he want her to live or does he hate her because she's a whore? So meanwhile, Kenny managed to find Jennifer to work for them another sex worker, and Deborah sells them a clientele book with a lot of men that were interested in sex work. Angelo had been waiting for this for a long time. Most men were what they call in-call clients, meaning they want to come to you. You provide a motel, or it has to be in Angelo's house, which he didn't like. But an out-call list is the most valuable, less overhead, because that means the sex workers go to the men. Deborah sold him this valuable out-call list, only it turns out... It wasn't. Every client they called was an in-call client. So in the fit of his anger, Kenny goes into the room to sodomize Jennifer, the worker that was held hostage in their house. She tries to fight him off, and he storms off to Angelo like a little kid, complaining to a parent. She's not cooperating. We should kill her right now. And he's like, you dumb shit. We can't kill her. She can easily be traced back here. Do you not have a brain? You thought you were so smart, huh? Besides... If we're going to kill someone, it's going to be Deborah. She just scammed me from the list. Listen, I can't find her right now, but we can find her friend. We kill the friend, and that's going to send a message to her. Oh, I'm ready, Angelo. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Let's, quote, kill the bitches. So Angelo looked Kenny in the eyes and said, me knew me. Now, Kenny had no idea what this meant. He always believed it meant my friend in Italian, but the translation is my gods. So before the pre-Christian time, the gods in literal translation essentially were, you are my fate, my destiny. You and I are bound together forever in blood and in death. So that's kind of what he was saying, which is very spooky. So they leave panic Jennifer, who genuinely believed that they were going to kill her, and the cousins get into the car, get their revenge. They pick up Yolanda, another fellow sex worker and best friend of Deborah's. They handcuff her, rip her in the car, and strangle her to death. When Kenny felt she was dead, he took a large turquoise ring from her left hand, slipped it in his pocket because it would make a great present for his girlfriend. The first victim was dead. They would dump her body near the road next to the entrance of the graveyard across a Warner Brothers set, honestly. And soon after that, on Halloween, Judy Miller would be found, raped, sodomized, and strangled to death. Within months, eight more bodies would follow. And this is the beginning of the Hillside Stranglers. So this was part one. There's going to be part two this weekend on Sunday for you guys. That's going to be covering all of the murders. I mean, it took a full episode to just cover just the lives, the childhoods of these two, because I mean, it's wild. This is just the beginning. Let me know what you think. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's main episode, and I will see you guys on Sunday for the mini-sode. Bye.